Well, good morning and welcome to our morning service. And if you have your Bibles ready, if you could turn with me to Mark's Gospel. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 11, verse 27, through to chapter 12 and verse 12 of chapter 12. So if you join with me now in Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 27. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the winepress, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent the servants to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit in the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir, let us kill him. The inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants, and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Then they looked for a way to arrest him, because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for your word, and again we come and lean upon you for our understanding, that we might hear your words, and that by the power of your Spirit you will open these words up to us. And our Father, we ask these things now as we come to your precious word, and we ask it in the name of our Saviour, Jesus. Amen. Well, the first part of what we read there, um, which is Mark 11, verse 27 through to 33, on whose authority? They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. 
and who gave you authority to do this? We're now in the, the final week of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And Mark's reference here to the arrival in Jerusalem was probably the day after he had driven the money changers out of the temple. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, he was approached by an official party of the religious leaders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. They were all there, all together. And Jesus had entered the temple with his disciples, and the fact that Mark tells us that Jesus was walking suggests that he was teaching. This was the manner in which Jesus taught. He would walk, and he would teach as he walked. And as, as he did, his disciples and others would follow and listen to his words. Then the spokesman for the official party of the religious leaders asked the question, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you authority to do this? What he was saying, he was saying, who gave you permission to teach the things that you're teaching? And who gave you the right to come in here and do what you did yesterday? Because we certainly didn't give you that authority. And we are the ones with the responsibility for these people and the responsibility for this place. They are not the exact words, that's a paraphrase of their thoughts behind the question, the question that they came with, asking Jesus, by whose authority do you do these things? What they were saying basically is that we run this place and you don't. I want you to bear that in mind as we continue through this passage. In verse 29 to 30, Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. Jesus here is not sidestepping this question. He wants them to think about what it is they are asking and he wants them to think about it in the light of what he knows, what they believe, or more to the truth, he knows in what they don't believe. Let me ask you a question, and if you can answer my question, then I will answer your question. This is what Jesus said to them. And the question for them was about John's baptism. Was it from heaven, or was it? from human origin. I can imagine the silence in the crowd as these religious leaders gathered into a huddle, talking among themselves, while the people waited patiently to hear their answer. Verse 31 to 32. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. It appears that everyone apart from these leaders had accepted that John was sent by God and that his authority to do what he did was given to him by God. 
And they were thinking as they talked together, well, if we say that John's authority is from God, then we will have to say that it is God who has authorised Jesus to do what he does. But then on the other hand, if we say that God did not give John authority, then the crowd will turn against us. So in verse 33, we have the answer that they gave. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you, but by what authority I am doing these things. When Jesus said that, he, he, he knew then that they were lying. They did know about John. They probably did believe that he was a prophet, but they wouldn't put any belief in that belief. They wouldn't accept it. And they knew that as they had rejected John, they had also rejected Jesus. It's important to notice here that there's no gap between Mark chapter 11 verse 33 and Mark 12 verse 1. This is continuous and that's an important thing that we need to get hold of. Because when we come to Mark chapter 12 verse 1 to 12 we have what is called the parable of the tenants but it is Jesus continuing the conversation with those who've come to challenge his authority and in 1 to 5 of chapter 12 this is what we read Jesus then began to speak to them in a parable or in parables a man planted a vineyard he put a wall around it dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place at harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruits of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, and others they killed. Mark, unlike Matthew and Luke, only relates to us a few of the parables that Jesus told. He told a parable way back in Mark 4, and what John said about that when the disciples were asking why teaching parables, he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they may turn, might turn and be forgiven. Here in Mark 12, this parable is different in as much as this parable is aimed directly at those who have already admitted that they are the ones who have authority over the people and they have authority over the temple and that Jesus does not. Remember, I asked you to remember that little bit of information from verse 28 of chapter 11. So Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. There's so much detail in this parable about the preparation for the protection of the vineyard. The owner planted the grapes. He put a protective wall around it. He made provision for the harvest dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower to keep out unwanted invaders. And he trusted it to these hired vine dressers. 
You see, Jesus knew all about the process of grape growing and wine making, and so would the people. What his listeners would have also known is that it would take a number of years before the grapes would be ready for pressing, and they would need over that time to be nurtured and observed. Now, the owner of this vineyard was away, but he would send servants, servants who came with their master's authority, to bring back samples so that he could follow the progress of the grapes. The first servant to be sent was beaten by the hirelings and sent back to the owner empty-handed. The second servant was beaten about the head and treated shamefully before he was sent back. The third servant, he sent, was killed. And we're told that he sent many others who were either beaten up or killed. I would think that by now, both the crowd, both the crowd and the religious leaders are beginning to see where this parable is going. They would have started to connect the pictures of the vineyard with the nation of Israel because in the Old Testament there is that connection with the nation of Israel being like God's vineyard. This vineyard was so carefully chosen and prepared and protected by God. This is the vineyard, the nation of Israel. The servants sent by the owner in this parable would have reminded them of how their forefathers had mistreated the prophets that God had sent to them. They would have seen that the vine dressers, who were the overseers of the vineyard, represented the leaders of their day, the overseers of Israel. They had a clear reference to the past and they also had a picture of the present state of their nation. That's how it was in the past. Mark verse 6 of chapter 12. He had one left to send a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect, they will respect my son. This is now a picture to these people of their present day. But what about the future? Well, we go to verse 7 and 8. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir, come let's kill him and inherit. The, the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. You know, for these people, by the end of this particular week, this day that this is happening, which is their present, would be, in a week's time, their past. The one who is the beloved son, who was sent by the father, would be killed. The owner of the vineyard is God. The servants are the prophets the vineyard is Israel and the grapes are God's people and the custodians of the vineyard are the chief priests 
the teachers of the law and the elders. Jesus is the one and only beloved Son. What will their future be like? When we read on into this parable, Mark 12, verse 9 and 11. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. Jesus here is not asking them a question. He's telling them that there is no question. There's only rock-solid conclusion. The mention of the cornerstone is a reference from the scriptures that they, the crowd and these religious leaders, would have been familiar with. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 28 and 16, and we also read about it in Psalm 118 verse 22. Let me just read to you Psalm 118 and verse 22. This is from their writings that they would have been brought up with and taught. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. That was a word from the Old Testament to the people that Jesus is speaking to, the Jewish nation of their day. He's a word from the New Testament. And this word is for all and for all nations. This is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is when the gospel went out to the Gentiles and the rest of the world. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 and 22, he said this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You can read that again in other passages in the New Testament. One of them is in 1 Peter chapter 2. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one that they are rejecting. What will be their reaction to all this? Those religious leaders and those listeners who are hearing this parable for the first time. Well, Mark 12 verse 12 tells us. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd. So they left him and went away. The beloved son of the father, the rightful heir, will be killed by the custodians of Israel. The veil of the temple will be ripped apart. The promise would be fulfilled. The final once and for all sacrifice would be made. And through it all nations would be blessed. 
The temple that had been built by hands had now served its purpose and it will eventually be destroyed. And the risen Christ will become a stumbling block to those who would not believe. I wonder how we react to this this morning, to the truth revealed in this parable, and more importantly, the reality of what the parable meant. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, and as we draw to a close, we'll read verse 11. This is what we read. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And again we have those words repeated to the church at Corinth. That's in Acts 1, uh, that's in... Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8, but we've just read from Acts chapter 4 verse 11. You know, Jesus is still being rejected today. But the truth remains the truth. And what is the truth? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The question for us this morning is, do you believe this? Have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation? And if not, why not? But if you have, then remember the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for this, your word. We thank you again for the truth of the gospel. And for those of us who know you as Saviour, we rejoice in your name and in the knowledge that it is all of God. Our Father, if there's any listening who have not yet taken that step of faith, that you might open their eyes and by the power of your Holy Spirit, he will speak to their hearts that they might see their need to come in true repentance and accept the gift of salvation that you offer, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of acceptance, and then that gracious gift of eternal life. Father, we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.